Dear listeners, my name is Cece Boom. Welcome to the sandy beaches and crashing waves of Orange County, California. The wealthy jungle where everything glitters and nothing as it seems. And survival depends on camouflaging your worth so it looks higher than your actual credit score. The apex predator here is your mediocre, white, cisgender, hetero male monkey, usually 50 pounds overweight and sporting a Ralph Lauren polo, released into the wilds by one of these rapey fraternities, built by other white, cisgender, hetero male monkeys. And what makes this jungle glitter are the pretty flowers that wear fabulous dresses and shoes with handbags equivalent to the cost of an American-built car. Now, dear listeners, you must be wondering how a gender bender like myself, in their 40s, from a former Soviet Union, ended up as one of these pretty flowers, doing a podcast from a two-room walk-in closet, in their Giambattista Valli black bowl gown from his 2022 spring collection, with colorful flowers and three-dimensional petals while nervously eating a microwaved potato from a bowl. Well, my mother predicted this for me when I was in my teens. We have been in America only a few years, and it was a Saturday morning during which I was helping my mom clean homes for Armenians in Beverly Hills. As we were scrubbing the marble floor, I shared with her with a lot of hesitation and fear that I might be a woman. Her reaction was typical, a slap across my face with a Stalin stern look and even a harsher warning for me. You will spend the rest of your life giving oral sex for money until you die of AIDS. And just like that, dear listeners, my destiny was sealed. I did not get AIDS, however, but I did get crabs twice. And I discovered that I was very good at BJ's. In fact, my math skills helped me with college admission to UCLA and secured my MBA from NYU, and most importantly, led me to Lorian Archibald, the heir to one of the only two entertainment empires in the world. He was actually the one who gave me crabs both times. Back then, we were in our 20s. He needed to diversify his image or what he refers to as his personal portfolio in order to show the world that he was a morally conscientious capitalist compared to his racist and homophobic father. So he married me, a gender-fluid refugee. Me and my wedding dress were on the cover of Vogue. The governing board of his empire, which, dear listeners, I'm sure you have heard of, the names that is underneath all of our household products and pop culture, the privilege. Loved it as their share soared through the roof. They unanimously passed the vote of no confidence in his father and gave the throne to Lorian. Fast forward 20 years and we have two children. A 15-year-old boy, Micah, who plays lacrosse and in training to become the next mediocre white cisgender hetero male monkey, just like his father and grandfather before him. And a nine-year-old girl, Bridget, who prefers a trip to Home Depot rather than Rodeo Drive. And I belong 
is a rich wife's club where we all wear Lululemons as we power walk and discuss the latest trends while our husbands backstab each other on the stock market and use us as a back-channel communication system across enemy lines. Given Lorian's status as one of the 30 richest men in the world, I am the Queen of Orange County. I might not be on top of the food chain of this animal kingdom, but I do control the pretty flowers that make everything glitter to hide our husband's sins. And just like with every fabulous queer queen in history, there is always some BCB, basic cisgender bitch that is skinnier, younger, and faster who thinks she deserves my title simply because she was born with a vagina. Which, dear listeners, brings us back to the reason why I am eating a microwaved potato in my petals-covered valley. Today started out perfectly. All of Orange County woke up with excitement about tonight's very exclusive at $25,000 per head Big Gala, sponsored by, of course, the privilege to save some rare animal that is going to die anyway. As a hostess, I had everything ready for the night. The only thing I had to figure out was the earring situation for the dress. I narrowed it down to studs and drops, bows, black sapphires to match the dress. Carl as a housekeeper and Javier as a gardener were both in my walk-in closet with their morning coffees for a daily game of dominoes and for them to fill me in on the gossip from staff of other households. But I couldn't concentrate and my mind kept on drifting back to the earrings. And I was hours away from the makeup team's arrival and I knew they would only recommend the earring option to me that they thought I would want to hear. We can help, Carlo offered and Javier nodded. So they assisted me into my Giambattista Valley, carefully avoiding the petals that appeared to be growing out of the colorful flowers against the black material, and then I tried on both pairs of earrings. Me gusta both, Javier said, which wasn't very helpful. Mija, let's see which ones look better in a photo, Carla suggested. I loved the idea, but my phone screen wasn't big enough to showcase the full effect of the dress and the earrings, so I ran into the bedroom to grab Lorian's tablet from his nightstand, for it had a larger screen. As always, it was buzzing, because it was connected to his cell phone and the texting traffic on his devices was worse than on 405 freeway. I picked up the tablet and opened it. The latest correspondence was clearly between Lorian and his current lover. Yes, dear listeners, just because I live in a super-duper rich fairy tale where everything is made of money doesn't mean I believe in actual fantasies such as Prince Charming, Santa, or monogamy, all great concepts on paper, but unattainable. Lorian has always been swayed by the young emerging trans women, ready to remake their bodies into their own works of art. I looked at it as his community work. He got what he wanted from them, and they got all of their surgical procedures financed by him. Once their penis was off the table, Lorian moved on. He never cared for the whole being a woman with a vagina combo. I was not put off by the implications of an affair when I saw the texts, but who it was with? I knew the name. And she was? A definite BCB, way outside of Lorian taste. I miss your cock, she texted him. 
and he replied back, Divorce papers will be delivered this morning, and tonight you will have plenty of my cock. The affair with BCB suddenly became distant, and the implications of Lorian's last text stopped my world from turning. Many thoughts, all important, flooded my mind. What will happen to our children, our home, my life? What about money? How could Lorian do this to me? And none of these topics I could focus on. Carla and Javier followed me into the bedroom when I didn't return to them. I just sat on the bed, too stunned to cry or to reply to their questions. Carla removed the open tablet from my hands and they both read the screen. They began to give me their condolences. Shut up, I told them quietly at first, but they continued to offer emotional support, which only irritated me more, so I yelled, shut up and get out, go. Stunned was my outbursts. They left, and as soon as they did, I felt worse without them. My world was crumbling around me. Carla came back, carrying a bowl with a microwave potato. She always knows what's my go-to comfort when I'm stressed. A potato, a symbol of survival and prosperity in a Russian culture. A simple potato that is present on a dinner table whether you're a servant or a czar. Without words, I took it and went back to my walk-in closet, my safe space, where Carla helped me spread the hems of my ball gown as I sat down on the floor among my favorite dresses and jewelry and nervously began to devour the food. Carla left me and went to attend to her duties. I heard Javier in the distance blowing leaves in the gardens. I looked at the pretty things around me. Will it all still be here tomorrow? And the answer was yes. The only temporary variable in this equation was me. I might not be here tomorrow. I guess even Marie Antoinette had to accept her fate when faced with a guillotine after her own son betrayed her in court. Once I finished my food, I stood up and took the bowl downstairs. Right outside the kitchen, I heard Carla speaking. Cece knows, Lorian. I already sent the driver away, so they can't call for the car to leave the house. When is a courier getting here with the papers? A second betrayal by Carla, a friend. It hurt. It angered me. And it was anger that sent adrenaline through my veins. This wasn't just a divorce. This was a hostile takeover. And Lorian might be the face of his business success, but I was the one in the top class of our MBA program. I was the one that coached Lorian through the hostile takeover that dethroned his father and put him where he is today. And I knew the one thing in business that was written in stone and never have changed. A deal was not a deal because promises, intentions, handshakes, and even text messages were useless until the wet signatures were secured. I quietly turned around and made my way back upstairs. I placed the ball on the nightstand as I returned to my closet. The doorbell rang downstairs. The courier was here. And in a moment of survival, knowing that I didn't have time to get out of my valley, I made the choice that I couldn't earlier and grabbed the stud earrings and the matching black heels. Madame Boom, Carla called from downstairs. I'll be right down, I yelled back. Instead, I took 
the servant's elevator from our master suite to the first floor. I exited through the back door into the gardens where I could see Javier in the distance, finishing up with blowing leaves and putting equipment back into his truck. I briskly walked toward him as my heels dug into the dirt and I balanced myself from falling. Sissy, I heard Carla behind me as she appeared in the doorway. I bolted, but my heels betrayed me, the balance lost. I rolled in my ball gown across the grass clippings of our garden. One of the heels came off. When I came to a stop, sprawled on my back, I set up and removed the heels that remained and threw it at Carla as she was running toward me with a courier following behind, manila envelope in his hand. My throw was perfect. It hit her in the face. She fell. The courier jumped over her, determined to get to me. Barefooted, I got up and ran to Javier, who was now watching the whole scene in bewilderment. Start the car, I yelled, hoping he wasn't going to betray me like Carla. To my relief, he ran around the vehicle, and I heard the truck engine roar to life. He even opened the passenger door for me. I dove in, slammed the door shut, and Javier whisked us away. An hour later, my bare feet stood on the sun-heated sidewalk of a busy Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. My valley had grass clippings from the garden mixed with its 3D petals. The headquarters of the privilege, the castle where Lorien ruled, towered over me in its heavy, overpowering massiveness. What are you going to do now? asked Javier as he stood behind me next to his illegally parked truck. And I thought to myself, could a pretty flower bring down the apex predator of the jungle? There was really only one thing a flower could do. I turned to Javier and said, I, I'm going to bloom. And I walked towards the headquarters. Dear listeners, my name is Cece Boom, and I'm climbing to the top of the food chain, one barefooted step at a time, covered in couture. Until next time, you know you hate me, even if you want to be me. XOXO, mwah. To learn more about behind-the-scenes operations of this podcast and get updates of the next episodes, please follow us on Instagram under username CCBoomTakesOnTheWorld. Thanks for listening. Until next time.